Welcome back. When last we heard from Betty, she was midstream on the Yangtze River, heading for her appointed destination of Nanchang, Changsi. In today's episode, she's settling into her new accommodations and her new position. Before we hear from Betty, however, I'd like to share a letter that her good friend and travelling companion Harry Bishop sent to her father shortly after she departed Shanghai. And it's only a short note, but it reads, UNRA Office, Shanghai. Dear Mr. Turton, Betty left Shanghai for Nanchang on Tuesday 23rd. She gave me a cable to send to you, but rates had suddenly risen by 640% to $20,000 Chinese minimum, or $10 in gold. As I knew that she had cabled you recently, I took the liberty of posting the message. Tom Fippen and I saw her on board. She has a cabin with two other girls who will be good company, and there is an UNRWA man on board travelling with them. The ship is reasonably big, over 2,000 tonnes, I would guess, with Chinese crew and officers. However, they have plenty of food with them and are independent of the galley if they don't like it. Betty seemed by no means worried about the ship, but rather was looking forward to it. I have every confidence she will be quite all right. Kindest regards, Harry Bishop. But now, let's hear how Betty is finding life in Nanchang. Mrs. Betty Souter, Reports Officer, UNRWA Regional Office, Nanchang, Changzi, 1st of May, 1946. My dear Dad, this letter will be a jumble of odds and ends which have occurred to me and which I would like to know about and would like you to know about. I'm writing to Ju a more newsy letter telling her all about the place here in which I am now posted. I've not forgotten about Arnold's matter, but up to the present time there's no repatriations committee in Shanghai. One was recently set up in Hong Kong, so Shanghai should start by the time I get back there. I'll have a look around again when I return. In the meantime, I should just hold his papers. Two days after I arrived at the Shanghai office, my salary was raised to £1,150, but no doubt you've been advised of this. The Australians were previously the lowest paid of all UNRWA personnel, but now we are on a level with the British. The Americans are the highest paid, but then it is an American show. They seem to have so much more done for them than the rest, especially in the Shanghai office. But the Aussies make the most noise about things and are improving matters all the time. My increase was effective, I believe, from the 1st of April. Out here in the provinces, we are only paid actual subsistence, which is not nearly as high as Shanghai subsistence. Therefore, if I want to buy some really lovely things which would be found here, I'll have to start drawing some of my pay, which I haven't yet done. When I first arrived in Shanghai, I had no money till the first payday, and so I received an advance of Chinese $75,000, about £12.10, which I do not intend to pay back at this end. I shall have it deducted from my pay in Sydney. Similarly, 
I'm going to hang on to my remaining 30 US dollars, the balance of my travel expenses from Sydney. They can deduct that at home too. Will you please let me know the names of the banks in Shanghai representing the Union Bank? They either overlooked giving me the usual list or I've mislaid it. I'm not likely to need the money for a long time as I'd rather use all the Chinese currency while I'm here and leave the sterling intact while its value is going up. It will be quicker for you to send me the list than it would be to get the information from Shanghai now that I'm out of it. I have no word as yet that my luggage by sea has arrived, and believe me, I could do with it. I only have £65 that I left Sydney with, plus some drill slacks, a drill skirt, and two extra khaki shirts, which I bought from the US stores in Manila. Even when the luggage arrives, I cannot possibly have it all sent up here, and I'm everlastingly grateful to Mars for making that detailed list, which enables me to describe to the boys, Harry and Bill, which case I want. I had hoped that it would all arrive before I left Shanghai so that I could reorganise it and store what I don't want for the present. Incidentally, my air travel suitcase is a horrible wreck, and I doubt if it will stand another journey. Tom Fippen came to my rescue, however, and gave me his Val Pack, American, which can hold a terrific amount and is wonderful for knocking around. I'll discard the suitcase up here, I think. As a matter of interest, were you ever informed of the cost of the things that I purchased at Victoria Barracks? I still have no idea whether it would be five pounds or fifty pounds. If the girls can ever get me any 616 films. Would you send them up? All the films around here are well outdated and cost the equivalent of a pound. I get hold of as many as I can, nevertheless, and UNRWA is paying for all that I use in connection with my reports. I keep the prints and give them the negatives. Not a bad idea, huh? Even though I have headed this with the local address, please continue to address mail as on the covering envelope. Shanghai receives all mail, sorts it, and sends it on here. I'm longing for news. So far, I've only had one letter from Mother. And was that a thrill? I hope my letters get through. I've been pretty dubious about some of the postal arrangements while in transit. I believe, too, that you can send air letters here, which would be the best idea. Ordinarily, air mail gets pretty expensive. Have you received my two cables? I hope so. I'm arranging to send one from the local office here to you for the Alexanders, and I hope it reaches them for their birthdays. It should only take two or three days. The Chinese clerk in our office is going to send it off for me, as I still don't know nearly enough Chinese to make myself understood. You may not have got the letter with my card in it, and so I'm enclosing a few more in this. The Chinese name equivalent to my English one is Su Beti, or Su Beti, whichever I like. The latter is easier to say and is generally used by my friends up here as a nickname. Also enclosing a typical Chinese bill. They only have notes in China, and one's pockets just bulge as you have heard. This $5 bill is worth about one-third of half a penny. You just can't get anything unless you talk in thousands and hundreds of thousands, 
all the bank issue bills and each bank chooses its size and design so that you never really know where you are. Sydney UNRWA was all haywire on the equipment business. Lots of stuff that I paid for are furnished as required in Shanghai Free. In my £65, I could have omitted blankets, sleeping bag, mosquito net, etc., and got them all here from the stores, as I required them. Similarly, uniform is hardly ever worn, though I find the khaki clothes the most serviceable. My great coat could have been left too, in favour of a gabardine or lighter coat. I guess it will be good in the winter. The little pillow that Phil gave me has been the most used article so far. Pillows are just non-existent when travelling around and so dirty in hotels that you don't use them. It's quite a different matter in places like this, but even here, I sit on the little pillow at my desk. The stools are pretty hard. It's quite amazing how many wooden utensils these people use, and mostly they're made from camphor wood, which smells just beautiful. No nails are used, unprocurable, I believe, and all the pieces are beautifully dovetailed together, basins, tubs, buckets, spoons and ladles, desks, chairs and beds. Reverting to Sydney, was the Sunnyside Memorandum completed? And have you overcome the financial problem of Louis Hill? Are Vita Foods still calling for new companies to be formed? Have you and Pato and Beale and Wallace been in any more scraps? Has Gussie's case come off yet? And, if so, with what result? Has the Lotha Crofton application been finalised? So often I wonder about such things and really miss the office affairs. Any more deserters on staff? Or any newcomers? Golly, I would love to nick back for a while and get all the news. I'm quite happy that I'm out of the Shanghai office. It is a terrific disorganisation. It seems ominous to me that all the heads of all the departments there are American. They seem to have everything sewn up and send other nationals out to the provinces. The other nationals are really only too happy to get out into the country, especially the Australians, where the air is clean, there's good work to do, some responsibility and opportunity to organise a district, and so on. Shanghai is a cushy administrative office where, in most sections, there is an even proportion of loafing and work during working hours. And did we poor Aussies get pushed around in that office? We all have the same tale to tell, walking around and around the corridors and getting shoved from one person to another. But that is all behind us now, and we are a particularly happy crowd out here. The days go by quickly and happily so far, and I see no reason why it should be otherwise as time goes on. But Jews' letter will tell you more about that. It's a bit of a contract to write to all the people that I would like to write to, but I suppose these letters circulate a bit. Now that I'm settled, I shall start the operation of the carbon system and may find that I can get more done. The trouble is that when I sit down to write letters, I only want to write to the family. And that is mostly what happens. We'll sign off now. Even though it's three in the afternoon, I'm not using office time since I started work straight after breakfast this morning, 7.30, and we'll be going right through till dinner at 7pm. We are given much latitude and it doesn't seem to matter when we work as we all know what we have to do. 
He is an excellent boss, our director, and it is such a nice idea to work and live in the same building. Yes, I am happy here. Lots of love to all the family, each and every one of them, and an extra issue for Mother and for you. Bet. P.S. Could you give me some idea of the customs duty on Chinese curios such as silk scrolls, bits of tapestry, embroidery? We buy them pretty cheaply. Production credits for this episode. Produced and narrated by Warren Henry. The voice of Betty Souter by Helen Polkinghorne. And the featured tune may be familiar one. zippity doo by Johnny Mercer and the Pied Pipers which rose to number 35 on the popular music chart in 1946. How Zippity doo da, zippity eh. Mr. Bluebird on my shoulder. It's the truth, it's actual. Everything is satisfactual. Zippity doo da, zippity eh. Wonderful feeling, wonderful day. How do you do? Fine, how are you? Fine, how are you? Making a dollar a minute. Zippity-doo-dah, zippity-yay. My, oh, my, what a wonderful day. Plenty of sunshine head my way. Zippity-doo-dah, zippity-yay. Mr. Bluebird on my shoulder. It's the truth. It's actual. Everything is satisfactual. Zippity doo da, zippity a. Wonderful feeling, wonderful day. Everything is satisfaction. Zippity doo da, zippity.